Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, now, welcome in. It is the road to Omaha. Today for the LSU Tigers in Game 2 of the Super Regional, it's win or go Omaha, facing elimination. The Tigers against the Seminoles tonight, 5 o'clock first pitch between LSU and Florida State. The Tigers fell last night 6-4 to four to Florida State. Florida State working 10 walks, committing three errors of their own, but that is kind of like, Jeff, the turnover margin in, in, in football. When you issue 10 walks, even though Florida State committed three errors, it's kind of like being plus four in the turnover margin. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, uh, the walks were the killer yesterday for LSU, and Give a lot of credit to Florida State. They fouled off a lot of pitches. They battled LSU's hitters. They came in to the game ranked number four in the country in walks. So it's not surprising to see them battle like they did at the plate yesterday, but still disappointing for an LSU fan to see the number of walks. Part of it is the fact that you had to use six different pitchers. Uh, Cole Henry ends up, his arms hurting, got to pull him after walking three hitters. Todd Peterson, he's always had the issues with the walks. Uh, Zach Hess um, walked a couple more batters yesterday. So it it was a disappointing performance for the LSU pitching staff, and now they're going to really need uh, a great start, I think, today from uh, Landon Marceau in order to keep this season alive. Freshman Landon Marceau has been outstanding his last two outings. He's going to need to come up big today for a taxed bullpen. He needs to get LSU six to seven innings, Jeff, I think. That's kind of the magic number. You're still going to have the opportunity because Zach Hess only threw 29 pitches yesterday. He could be back along with Devin Fontenot. But, man, if Landon Marceau can't get six, seven innings, it's going to be really difficult for LSU to stave off elimination. I want to see Landon Marceau today. I think last night, yesterday, I think the pitching staff as a whole was too cute, too fine. They need to go right after these LSU, these Florida State hitters, challenge them a little bit, make them play some, and play defense behind them. I know they can hit. But I think that when you're facing a patient-hitting team like Florida State, Jeff, the best way to attack them is to go challenge them. Well, I would imagine Alan Dunn and the rest of the coaching staff really examine the uh, the tape of the game and trying to see what, what Florida State was doing so well in order to grind out these at-bats. And, yeah, I would think it would help that uh, LSU goes right after them. I will say that the outside corner was not there either for either team yesterday. And so if you get a, a bit of a bigger strike zone today, maybe that might benefit LSU if uh, Florida State is going to be that patient uh, at the plate. 504-260-1870, text 8787. Are you still confident in LSU baseball to turn it around, win today, and force a game three, or will those season end tonight? 
here at Alec Box Stadium. 504-260-1870. Text 870-870. What adjustments would you make if you're Paul Maneri in this lineup? One for me, Jeff, is let's face it, Hal Hughes is not an SEC player. He's, he, defensively he is, but at the plate he's a liability. Facing a right-hander, C.J. Van Eyck, today for Florida State, I think it's logical to slide Giovanni DiGiacomo into the DH spot, Cade Beloso back to first, and Chris Reed back to third. I think that's a good call, Christian. Um, I, right now at this point, I mean, Hal Hughes' average, which was below 200 all season, has been going down during the postseason. That's not good. Um, and he's only hitting 177. He's only giving you a couple extra base hits. And you're not necessarily saying that you're panicking here, but, I mean, you're just not getting anything out of it. So I agree with you. I, I wouldn't mind seeing DiGiacomo or, or whoever you think, if you're Paul Maneri, who you think has taken some good swings in BP, whether it's Gavin Duga, whether it's C.J. Willis, uh, DiGiacomo is probably the, the, the most likely guy out of that group just because he's got a decent average at 280. He's seen a lot more at-bats. He's got 130 at-bats compared to Willis and Duga, who are around 50 at-bats on the year, or Drew Bianco. You know, all those guys are hitting 212 or below. So DiGiacomo is probably your guy. We saw him get a pinch hit yesterday, or at least he, he, he got up there. He flew, the parents, out, yeah. flew, flew out the center field. He pinch hit it for Al Hughes. So, I don't know. I, I would say so. Um, you're right. Uh, I, I think this could be – this could possibly be an offensive day because, uh, one, the conditions are calling for it, and, two, both teams – you know, Florida State used four pitchers, too. I, I think all of them can come back. J.C. Flowers, even their closer, who threw two innings – threw just 30 pitches, which isn't bad for a, a two-inning save. So he can get you another three outs. He can get you another three outs. And just looking at the rest of the Florida State bullpen, it's not, it's it, it, nothing there is really. Now that Velez kid, that left hander, that kid's a little, he's nasty. I, I don't, you know, and then and, and Chase Haney pitched pretty well too. And he's got an ERA of 273. I would imagine he threw 24 pitches. I think he's good for an inning, but I think they're going to keep CJ Van Eyck out there for at least six no matter what's happening in this game. And I think the same is going for Landon Marshall. If he's healthy, he's going six for you, too. And if he gives up four, five, six runs on the way, that's what's going to happen, unless it's really getting out of hand and they just right. got to get him out of there. Teams that have had success against C.J. Van Eyck, the right-hander for Florida State, he's their ace. Ten and three on the year. He's won eight straight starts, Jeff. I mean, he has been sensational since the middle of the season. The last team that beat him was Miami in the middle of the season. And – the teams that have had success against them, I asked a couple folks at Florida State that cover them regularly, and that's the thing that they say is if you're going to get to them, you got to get to them early. And as is the case with most stud pitchers, guys like C.J. Van Eyck, if you get to them early, you'll have a shot. The longer he goes in games, he tends to get stronger, and on top of that, he, he falls into a rhythm, and I think most good power pitchers take an inning or two to settle in. And I think if you're going to get to them, you got to get to them early. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I would agree. I think they got to get to them early. Um, you know, I thought LSU really early on in the game yesterday did a nice job against Drew Parrish. I think uh, they really they really worked him as well, uh, but they just never got the the big hit. And the uh, Salou Garza base running mm. mistake is just it's un it's unforgivable. Really, to, to miss second base going from first to third, it, it's I mean there, there could be a 
10,000 little league games that have been played this year, and I don't know if that's happened. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's just a bad, bad play, and it really took LSU out of getting a getting a a, a, a big inning there in the fourth inning. But besides that, I, you know, I thought LSU had some good at-bats. Josh Smith was good, had a couple of hits at the top of the order for you. Um, you know, Salou Garza went 0 for 4. Uh, but eventually I thought for Salou, who's been so red hot, he was a, he was eventually due for an 0 for 4 game, and mm-hmm. yesterday happened to be it. Uh, so maybe he comes back today and gets you a couple of hits. So um, they, they need to – I think they need to uh, try to attack here early. Uh, they will be the visiting team today, Christian. And, man, would it be nice for them to put two runs on the board right away, allow Landon Marshall to kind of pull into this thing because a lot of pressure on him to try to keep – LSU season alive right now. Typically, I would say, you know, being the visiting team, obviously for any road team, but they're not a road. They're not a road. They're not yeah. on the road today. They're going to have their home crowd behind them. I think it's actually a blessing in this case because you get for the first shot at it. You get to maybe uncork your, you know, in, in the first inning, like you said, potentially get two or three runs. You've got to get a crooked number on the on the scoreboard. I mean, yesterday, I I, I was I knew it when they were piecing together one run in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, one in the fifth. I kept saying, that's not going to be enough. You've got to put two or three runs consecutively on the board, as is the case with most baseball games, Jeff. The team that, that puts the most crooked numbers up are, are going to win the game, are the first ones to do so. They put three or four runs on the board. Florida State did with that three-run homer, and that pretty much did it. And let's face it now, this is three straight games for LSU where they've had a three-run lead or more, and they've blown it each time. That's not a good, not a good sign. Part of it is a bullpen. Part of it is... You know, you're starting pitching. Um, I mean, when you look at this LSU bullpen, there, there's no doubt that there, there's guys that have tremendous stuff. Zach Hess, Devin Fontenot. Uh, at times, Trent Bittmeyer was unhittable this season. You don't have Todd Peterson today. Nope. Um, 79 pitches. But do you really, when, when Zach Hess enters the game, do you sit there and say, all right, this is it. Mm-mm. Lock it down. No. Fontenot the same way. None of these guys have been uh, what you need out of the bullpen as far as lockdown type of guys. And so for LSU, it's, I think it's going to take six, seven, six or seven runs to win today's ballgame. If you look at Zach Hess, he's a two-pitch pitcher now since he went to the bullpen. I mean, he's, he's, he's not, he had a changeup that he would just show when he was yeah. a starter. That was yeah. just to kind of, hey, I just know that I can throw this to you. But he really relies on getting ahead early with his fastball, and then coming out with that wipeout slider when, when he gets ahead. I think vice versa for LSU today against C.J. Van Eyck. He's going to look to get ahead with his fastball early. I think LSU at the plate is going to hunt for fastballs, try to lay off some of the breaking stuff, but going to try to early in the count be aggressive, and I think that's the right approach. Yeah, and when you look at Florida State's bullpen, I think they'll still bring back J.C. Flowers, uh, even though he threw, as I mentioned, he threw 30 pitches, but it would only be a one-inning save if it was. But Chase Haney's been really good for him too this season. He's got an ERA in him now, 273 after yesterday. So they got two guys that are, and he threw 24 pitches. So he's probably got another inning in him too today. So they got two guys that have an ERA below three out of their bullpen. I mean, LSU has Matt Beck. Uh, and, and it's it's almost, and I, I, I almost say that as an insult, but <laughs> Matt Beck doesn't have this type of stuff Fontenot or Vitmeyer or, or Zach has have. He, he kind of relies more on his stuff it's not overpowering and his era is 213 i would think he'd be the first guy coming out of the bullpen today for that for lsu but i mean when you look at it yesterday uh, even though his era is so low who did paul maneri go with he went with you know 
uh, Vitmeyer and, and Fontenot and those guys over Matthew Beck because he knows, one, well, Matthew Beck has been bothered by the, the walk situation. And yesterday, I don't know, I mean, Font, Beck has walked 24 batters in 26 innings, and, and the way yesterday's game was going, that might not have been the game to put Matt Beck no. in there. But that gives you a sense that uh, maybe Matthew Beck's 2-1-3 ERA is a little misleading. I mean, his stuff isn't as good as those other guys that you saw yesterday come out of the bullpen, but none of those guys can be really trustworthy. I agree with that. Jeff Palermo, Christian Garrick, Rodoma, weigh in at 504-260-1870. Text 870-870. The Tigers face elimination today at 5 p.m. against Florida State right here on WWL. Alongside Jeff Palermo, I'm Christian Garrick. Welcome into the road to Omaha, previewing LSU's Super Regional matchup tonight in Game 2 against Florida State, facing elimination. Looking around other Super Regional action up there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. The Razorbacks won Game 1 against Ole Miss yesterday, beat them pretty soundly 11-2. They trail 8-2 right now to Ole Miss. That series looking to go one game apiece along with Duke and Vanderbilt, who are tied one game apiece in that Super Regional. Vanderbilt last night pitching a no-hitter. And they're, uh, is it, who's their, uh, who's, who's that, that kid? Ruckus. Uh, his name escapes my mind. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. Nonetheless, they lead right now 6-1, to one, bottom of the third inning against Duke. LSU and Florida State tonight at 5 p.m. Um, Kumar Rocker. Kumar Rocker, that's it. Auburn in North Carolina. Or earlier, North Carolina beat Auburn to even that Super Regional Series at a game a piece. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. Text 870-870. How about that, that no-hitter the last night? Yeah, and Louisville's pitcher almost threw one yesterday, too. So you, And he went into the ninth inning with a no-hitter as well. And then uh, this guy, Kumar Rocker, and he struck out 19. That <laughs> might be one of the more dominating performances that you'll ever see in college pro baseball. 19 strikeouts. To go along with a no hitter, and if you see the guy pitch, he's he's huge. He doesn't look like he belongs in college. <laughs> Quite amazing. But uh, despite uh, Vanderbilt getting trounced in game one, it they uh, it looks like they're going to come back and win and uh, advance. Uh, you already have Louisville and Omaha. Duke is uh, on its way to joining them, and uh, it looks like at the moment that uh, Arkansas Ole Miss might be heading to uh, a game three, just like North Carolina and Auburn are after uh, North Carolina shut out Auburn earlier today. Jeff, I don't know if you heard the postgame last night. Uh, a lot of the calls were trying to convince me that Paul Maneri is the reason why they lost yeah. last night. And, of course, my immediate retort was, well, Paul Maneri didn't miss second base on his way to third. <laughs> yeah. He didn't walk ten hitters for, LA, for Florida State. And, you know, it got me along the lines. You tell me, you've covered this team for almost 20 years. you covered LSU baseball for almost 20 years. So you've seen – firsthand the the landscape of this of of this sport change uh from the gorilla ball days to limited scholarships to uh, a lot more parity in college baseball i i implore lsu baseball fans i get the expectation that skip bertman set i understand that and and i appreciate that argument that the expectation should be omaha i mean winning a championship or bust and i would submit to you that lsu fans should readjust their expectations and be a little bit more reasonable with the, the expectation should be hosting a regional and super regional every year with the idea of, yeah, going to Omaha probably once every every couple of years. Yeah, I think what obviously ramps it up, and we talked about this quite a bit last weekend, Christian, is the preseason number one ranking. Uh-huh. So when you're ranked number one, 
the the belief is then well then you should win the national championship and there really shouldn't be any questions and it doesn't matter how many injuries there have been or whether the coach's dad passes away during the season it doesn't matter they're ranked preseason number one they should be the national champions but as we watch the season unfold we realize that this was really a flawed roster with too many left-handed hitters no left-handed pitching. Which came back to hurt them last night, yes, I think. Yes, it certainly did against all these left-handed hitters that Florida State's throwing up there. Um, and then just guys that didn't produce, Salou Garza, uh, a bunch of other freshmen. I mean, I, I read it off earlier. I mean, they, there were three freshmen here that were really counted on to do some good things for LSU this season, or two freshmen in particular, Gavin Duga and Drew Bianco. Those two guys hit 186 and 176. I'm not saying they're bad ball players. I bet you next year when they get regular playing time and they got, uh, th- they'll be better hitters. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I think they're, I think they're good players. It just, it didn't work out for them this season. So, um, uh, just a lot of things went went wrong for this team, um, and it just, for them to get to the Super Regionals, I think is good. I think if if they got to Omaha, if they come back to win these new next two games, I really think, Christian, this is one of Palmineri's best coaching jobs. Totally agree. Considering the injuries they have. And it's not to say that Palmineri should just do everything the way he's doing and keep doing it the way he's doing it. I think there's things they certainly need to look at. I think you got to look at you have three freshman pitchers this season that have all suffered injuries. Why is that? Are these guys damaged goods when they get here? Are you trying to ramp them up too quickly? You have three other pitchers on this roster. Nick Storrs, Caleb Gilbert, Easton McMurray. Haven't thrown a single pitch this season. Why are all these guys getting hurt? Nick Storrs hasn't thrown a pitch in two seasons. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Caleb Gilbert's career is done. His his shoulder is so messed up. Uh, he'll never pitch, and he was a senior anyways. Um, and then uh, Easton McMurray, he was the left-hander that they were counting on this season. So, so what's going on there? Um, well, Eric, Jeff, I think that's a bigger conversation that goes to the travel ball and high school ranks as well. Well, I agree, but still, that, that doesn't say LSU is completely innocent of this. No, uh, well, what, What's fair. going on? Why, why is this happening? Um, I, I think you need to take a, Eric Walker, freshman pitcher, two years ago. Can't make it through the season, a Tommy John injury. Uh, now, a lot of people say a Tommy John injury is just – it's a bomb waiting to explode. You can do all you can, and even in pro baseball, you see this. They baby pitchers as much as possible. Guys still blow out their their elbow and need Tommy John surgery. Uh, Mikhail Hilliard was really good as a freshman last year. They they had to ride him because of injuries and whatnot. And this year, he hasn't been the same guy. Um, so, I think there's a lot of things that th- this program still needs to examine. One in particular, Hal Hughes. I don't understand how he is a scholarship player at Louisiana State University. Uh, look, I think he's a, I think he's a, a fine fit for Southeastern or a program like UNO, a Southland Conference team, not SEC. Man, the Wolves are out, Jeff, on the text line at 878-70. Poor coaching and recruiting is the issue at LSU, more with assistant coaches than a head coach. Uh, I think you could, I think that Alan Dunn should come under a little bit of scrutiny this offseason, whenever it ends, because he was – thought to be the, the pitcher whisperer when he was hired yeah, here a few yeah. years ago. And let's face it, he, you know, he had guys like Jared Poche and and Alex Lang who didn't need a whole lot of refining when they came to LSU. Uh, but I think that's an area that they'll look at. Um, I, I, too much, Jeff, is made out of the hitting coach. It's too much. I, I think that fans hyper-focus on that, and it really doesn't 
matter either way. Like, if you have a great hitting coach, I think at this point, especially at this point in the season, these hitters are well-seasoned. I think hitting coaches do more of their effective work outside of a game. Yeah, they'll help them in the game with making an adjustment here or there, but outside of the game, fixing their swing. Sean Ochinko is the volunteer assistant coach, hitting coach. I, I think that, you know, I remember the SEC trying to pass um, with other conferences to get a, a fourth paid assistant on the on the staff, and the other conferences shot that down because why? Because they know the SEC has the funds to ultimately make that happen where other schools might not, and they don't want to give an advantage to a powerhouse um a powerhouse conference like the SEC. Yeah, LSU hitting 274 is a team batting average heading into the Super Regionals. And, and that's kind of in the middle of the pack at the SEC. I mean, that's not it's not terrible. It's not great. I, I mean, I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's good. Um, LSU, though, their team pitching ERA, and this was as of uh, June 3rd, 4.66. That's not good. I mean, the three teams they finished ahead of, Kentucky, Florida, and South Carolina. And those three teams weren't very good. And, again, you can attribute this to injuries um, and, and LSU really having to piecemeal things together. But, again, it goes back to my statement that I made. I think you have to take a look at what's going on. Why do you have three solid freshman pitchers come in and all of them have arm injuries during the course of the season? What What's what is the cause of that? And I think that's something they really need to dive deep into. I think they're pitching too much during the fall. It, it could be. Uh, Cole Henry was a guy that didn't pitch barely at all in the fall because he was dealing with an injury. Um, I think he was pitched too much at high school. Yeah. I, I, I just mean, do. Yeah, and, and He's that, from Florida, right? Cole Henry's from Florida? Cole Henry's from Alabama. Alabama. Okay, so he, he could probably yeah. play year-round, right? Yes. So um, he's from Florida. And, and his dad is a pitching coach, or his dad so, is yeah. a coach. And Overuse. So, I, I think that's a big epidemic. It's not just the Tigers, though. If you look yeah. look at look at Georgia, they, they had their guy go down for a little while. Um, another team, in, in another big school, I think UCLA had a, had a guy that had some arm issues. I mean, it's been, it's been prominent. Texas Tech had some issues this year as well with some of their, their stud pitchers. I think it's something that's going on across the board, not just in – baton rouge for the lsu tigers but i agree jeff you, you have to look at it because you, you're seeing it go on so you have to figure out the solution to it i don't right. think anybody really does have the solution though i mean major league baseball teams spend millions of dollars on this every year trying to examine on how to get their guys healthy uh this season but getting back to you know what you were saying as far as the expectations and we this is the eighth time they're in the super regionals in 12 years that's pretty good uh the basketball team just went to the super Re- or the, to the sweet 16 yeah which is the Super Regionals in baseball, and everybody thinks that guy's the greatest coach in the world, and, you know, who, who cares what might be happening behind the scenes? <laughs> He's great. Don't worry about it. But Paul Maneri does not get that, does not get that kind of pass. Um, I thought this was an impressive st- uh, statistic here with Florida State. Them winning yesterday, that was their 40th win. So Mike Martin... 42 straight seasons of 40 wins, mm. but never won the national championship. They're not ready to run him out of town. <laughs> uh, down in Tallahassee. I mean, but um, I, I kind of feel, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about it because it's been the topic of the day, you know, what a Paul, and I think Paul Maneri is a good coach, and I think Paul LSU fans should be thankful he's here. Can he get better? There's no doubt about it. That's with every coaching staff. Uh, I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, and, and they can they can rally off two wins here. They've they've lost game ones before. 
Uh, his 2008 team lost a game one to UC Irvine, and they crushed him. But this Florida State team, you could tell, they, they, they're a pretty good team. This is going to be tough to come back and win the next two games on. But um, you know, 8 out of 12, not a losing season in the SEC since 2012. Only Vanderbilt can say they've done that. And those are that's, – that's, that's some pretty good stuff. Uh, I agree. I, I think they need to look at pitching and see what's going on there. And I think there, there's some other guys that are probably on this team that, that don't deserve to be – or I don't want to say deserve to be here, probably shouldn't be here. And you got to figure out the – fa- the, the position players, man, I <laughs> Jeff. The fact that they cut Chris Reed earlier in the year, right, and they still and they still have a guy like Hal Hughes on the roster, even when they cut Chris Chris Reed. If as I'm looking at it right now, if you had to create a roster spot, yeah. Hal Hughes would go before Chris Reed would go. Yes, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I look at a kid like Drew Mendoza. That dude looks like a ball player, man. He looks like a a a legit. <laughs> And there's a reason why he was drafted in the third round. I'd like to see LSU try to get some more of those kind of guys, man. And you look back at that 2000 team, that team was um, – they, they were tremendous athletes and great ball players, uh, and they were, they were big guys, and they could be physical at the – physical in the baseball terms of at the plate where they can smack the ball around a little bit, not just rely on bloop singles and ground balls through the infield, kind of really – make some things happen offensively. And there's very few guys out there when an LSU player steps up to the plate and you say, that guy's pretty intimidating. <laughs> you look back to that old nine team with LeMayhew, Jared Mitchell, uh, uh, um, Mikey Matuk. I mean, those were some uh, – Blake Dean. Jacoby Jones when he was here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those uh, – I, I know it's tough, man. It's tough because what did they just have? They had – Four position players that, that they had commitments to, and they just got signed. One of them was sitting in Palmineri's office an hour before he yeah. got a call from the Indians and then jetted out of here as fast as he possibly could. So it's a different dynamic, baseball recruiting, than it is for football and basketball because when you get a kid to sign or commit, the NFL's not coming in and calling Derek Stingley Jr. saying, why don't you come here or, to see, or whoever it might be. Basketball and basketball, that's going to change uh, here shortly. But still, it, baseball is a different dynamic, and I know they're always constantly looking at how can we make sure we're going after guys that we could sign but yet not lose in the major league draft, and that's that's tough. I, I don't have an it's answer for that. It's tough to juggle. That. It's, that's, that's something, and that's an equation that people don't think about. I don't, I don't honestly really think people consider that, that, these four kids that just got drafted and are now moving on to play professional baseball instead of coming to LSU. Um, it's hard to turn down $800,000 yeah, or $1.2 million. And, and it's dollars. hard not to recruit those guys. We, I mean, You're they recruiting get, they, them because they, got, they can play. They got lucky with Alex Bregman. He missed his senior season. Or else if he didn't, he he would have been a first-round pick, and he would never have came to LSU. So you got to recruit these guys, and sometimes you get lucky with them. You got lucky with Aaron Noah. It it helped that Austin Nola was on the team and he had a chance to play with his brother. But Aaron Nola was a guy, if it was just, if he wasn't a Baton Rouge kid and his brother wasn't on the team, I don't think he ends up at LSU. It's tough. It's the same thing as why uh, Braden Doty right now is on is on the <laughs> team as a walk-on and as a basically a bull kid, bullpen catcher right. because his, son, his brother is a stud infielder. And that was a way of, hey, 
I'll let I'll, yeah. I'll, get, I'll let Bray, Braden be a part of this team because ultimately I'm I, I want his brother who's who's the yeah. stud infielder. A text message here at eight seventy eight seventy. Florida State seems to be an excellent at extending at bats. They know how to drive pitch counts up and get in your bullpen. And we don't have a deep bullpen. It causes problems. It's tough. It's a tough matchup for the Tigers. That's why I think today it'll be paramount to watch. Landon Marceau challenging this FSU lineup from the start. Not being too cute. Going right at him with a fastball. Don't try to pitch around and be too fine and paint corners. I, I know you got to hit your spots, Jeff. I'm not saying that they, that they won't. But I, I think that the, the right approach will be Landon Marceau really challenging this Florida State lineup and playing defense behind them. Yeah, I think you got to make it. And this has been a solid defense all season long. I wouldn't say they're, they're a spectacular group but they make the plays out there that need to be made. Uh, so let those guys make it. Uh, easier said than done, no doubt about it. Again, this is where I think Alan Dunn kind of earns his money today because he he needed to, he, and I'm sure he did, he took a look at the center field camera from yesterday and reviewed the entire game. Maybe they have a better way of attacking Florida State's hitters this season, maybe, or in this game. Maybe he, he saw something. We'll see. And let's see if Landon Marceau can then execute that game plan. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870, text 870-870. The road to Omaha, Jeff Palermo, Christian Garrick. Tigers don't win today, it's go Omaha. Ain't happening. Facing elimination. Road to Omaha continues here on WWL. Alongside Jeff Palermo, WWL.com contributor, also part of the LSU Sports Radio Network. We'll hand things off to pregame coverage of the LSU Sports Radio Network at 430 for game two of the Super Regional between LSU and Florida State. Tigers looking to stave off elimination. Interesting, Jeff, going into yesterday, or after yesterday, I should say, four of the uh, Super Regional host sites, four four of the hosts faced elimination. They they were down a game. Uh, Vanderbilt being one, they came back and and took care of business against Duke, and they're they're beating Duke again right now 9-1, along with uh, UCLA facing elimination yesterday. It took a comeback win over Michigan. Michigan had taken game one of that series, LSU being the other, and North Carolina being the other, and they both, North Carolina has even the series. They beat Auburn earlier today. So the trend is kind of going in favor of LSU, if you will, being upset yesterday. But, man, it, it seems like an uphill climb. It's, it just does. It, it, it certainly is an uphill climb. And, man, yesterday seemed like, after watching Friday's results, with UCLA and Vanderbilt both losing their first game, it just seemed like, Man, maybe this thing is just breaking, breaking right for LSU, right? Yeah. They get to host a super regional, they uh, and now maybe the top two seeds could be knocked out of Omaha. And if they're there, uh, you would think that um, if they get to Omaha and UCLA and Vanderbilt are not there, they got a chance. They got a, they'll, they'll be one of the favorites to win. I mean, Mississippi State might be in there, but that's a team they've beaten. And they're uh, on the other side of the bracket. Yeah, too. they've be, beaten them three times, and so you, you kind of felt pretty good, but. <laughs> Nine innings later, it's like, oh, and so, and yesterday was just, it, it, it was just such a gut punch, uh, Christian, to to be up four to nothing and lose. Yeah, I think you just would rather have lost. You know, Florida State jumps out to a three-four run lead and they hold on to win the game. But man, when you're up four to nothing, that just and you and you lose the game, um, and the other team commits three errors, and you walk ten hit. It was just an ugly loss for LSU. Now it's baseball. You, you turn the page. Uh, you get a chance to go out there and redeem yourself today. But uh, that, and then of course your 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 top starting pitcher re-injures his arm again, and that 
just a, it, it was a it was an ugly loss, ugly loss all the way around, and we'll see if they can uh, bounce back here today. If you just showed me after yesterday's game that the box score, the line score for Florida State, six runs, six hits, three errors. If yeah. I had just seen that, I would have said, well, LSU probably won 10 to 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then if you showed me the walks, I'd have said, nope, I, I, I totally understand. They probably only had four runs, and uh, they, they didn't do well offensively, and certainly uh, pitching-wise, they didn't, they didn't help themselves with those 10 walks. So that's how significant those walks were yesterday. It, it, was, it was hard to watch. It, it was. And the walk issue was their biggest problem. A season or earlier in the season and it finally kind of reared its head and when you look this season LSU has walked 200 or this was uh they led the S they lead the SEC mm -hmm. and walked hitters mm -hmm. I mean it was 254 as of June 3rd so obviously it's 264 whatever it is now now so, again some of those uh, some of those numbers are padded because you're playing more games obviously in the postseason but yeah there was a stretch there. When was that? Was that March or Mar April? March, late February, March was, it was, they were walking as left and right. It was 15 at one point yeah. in one game. Yeah, they, they, they were walking guys left and right and probably could have won some games early on in the season, ended up losing them because they were they were walking as many guys as they were this earlier this year. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. Text 870-870 with your take on tonight's game, game two of the Super Regional. Do the LSU Tigers force a game three, or does it end tonight for the LSU Tigers? Another text here at 870-870. Can we panic now? You can if you want. I mean, I, I'm not going to stop you. For, you can panic anytime you want. But I know this. Baseball is an odd, strange, weird, cruel sport. Anything goes, especially in this tournament. The road to Omaha continues here on WWL. 8170 on the text line. What is the worth on Henry? I think you mean word on Henry. We don't know the details, but we know arm soreness was the reason he was yanked after 41 pitches in just two innings yesterday in the game one loss to Florida State. And it's never a good sign whenever you hear that, especially for a guy that's battled arm injuries this season, missed five starts due to injury. Um, and it's really been a staff, as Jeff has pointed out, um, three guys, three freshmen have dealt with some sort of arm injury this year. One, Jaden Hill, his season's over. He had to have shoulder surgery. Landon Marceau, who's going today, battled arm issues in the middle of the season, along with Cole Henry. And it looks like if LSU is able to win two games and get to Omaha, what's the availability of Cole Henry? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you really risk it at this point. Um, you know, I was surprised they tried to push Eric Walker so much in 2017, and then it, he ended up needing Tommy John surgery. And I was, I was almost kind of uh, shocked, uh, you know, Cole. You know, they've pushed Landon Marceau as much as they have, but he seems to be healthy, seems to be okay. So, I mean, Alan Dunn and Paul Maneri and the trainer, and they're obviously, they got a lot more answers than I do at this point. But you have to wonder if, um, after he's already battled an arm injury, um, comes back and is healthy for a couple of starts and it, and it creeps up again, do you really force it again in the College World Series? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe... You just move him to the pen and ask him to throw one inning if he's healthy. But I would think they probably take a, a closer look into it uh, after the Super Regional Series, maybe have him go for another MRI or whatnot. And uh, other than that, though, I, I don't think it looks too good for him in the College World Series if LSU gets there. If Landon Marceau has a rough outing, in other words, if he's his pitch count's elevated after four innings, three or four innings, 
Do you at all consider bringing Eric Walker into the game, even though he's slated to be your starter tomorrow? Because yeah. at this point, you, your season's over. I mean, you, if, if you don't if you don't piece this one together. I guess it would be hard to say. I mean, if it's a 5-5 game or something like that, I don't think I would. Um, if they're getting bludgeoned 7-2 after five innings, I mean, does it really matter at that point? Um, I'm talking about just Marceau's pitch count is up there or – or say he has arm soreness. It's yeah. not out of the realm of possibilities. Do you immediately go well, yeah, I think Eric if Walker? He, if he ended up having to leave after two or three innings, I think you'd seriously consider using Eric Walker at that point. Um, I think Matt Beck is the first guy out of the pen mm-hmm. today. Uh, he's a guy that can eat up a couple innings for you. You know, there's some other guys on this staff that have kind of pitched pretty well here lately um, in, in limited action. Rye Gunner uh, has looked has looked really good. Um, Chase Costello at Chase times. Costa, Costello, uh, Willer Pole. I mean, those guys have pitched kind of – they've pitched decently. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to trust them in, in an eighth or seventh inning of today's game if it's the being a one-run I, game. But The guy I don't trust of the ones that are not the, the, the studs are the, are the guys you're, you typically turn the ball over to is Aaron George. I, I do not want no, to see him in the ballgame. No, no. That no. will not be a good sign if Aaron George – Steps on the mound at Alec Box Stadium and throws one pitch. Yeah, 19 walks this season and 26 in the third innings. And he's a uh, he's a guy that looks the part, though, Christian. Big dude. Um, and they and they got to figure out how to, to get him to be a better. They got to figure out the, for him to be better. Um, more efficient. More efficient. Um, you, know, you know, getting back to the pitching, I, I, I still think Zach Hess is going to be a, when he leaves here, which this is, you know, this is it for him, it appears. It's it's going to be a mystery why they just never were able to get him to be the guy I think everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, and it just has He gives up another home run yesterday. I mean, he's given up 14 home runs this season in, in 18 appearances. I mean, that's a that's a high, high mark right there. And he's opposing teams are hitting 284. I mean, this guy is supposed to be your the ace of your staff the last two years. And it just... It's it's a mystery on why it never it never really came together for Zach. Do you think at times he tips his pitches? I think tipping pitches is certainly something that uh, is out there for him. Um, I, I know, I know I've heard it. I, I've heard it, and I've heard it from opposing teams. So yeah, that is certainly certainly out there. But I think you you talked about it, Christian. He's become such a two pitch pitcher, and that grand slam he gave up last week in Southern Miss kid was just betting on it was going to be a, a slider low and in and he and the ball was out of the strike zone but he was guessing it and he he clubbed it out of here because he knew where that pitch was going and makes it a lot easier as a hitter when you're not really fooling you're not fooling the batters very much and that's what Zach Hess has done this season Zach Hess has to get ahead early that's when he's the most effective when he can get you down 0-1-0-2 and then show you that wipeout slider Jeff Palermo Christian Garrick here the road to home all continues here on WWL and welcome into hour two, half hour, really. Hand things off to the LSU Sports Radio Network at 4.30. 5 o'clock first pitch between LSU and Florida State today at the box. The Tigers facing elimination after losing game one yesterday, 6-4. to four, Squandering a four-run lead. Ten walks issued by six different LSU pitchers. Can they get it done today? Will they get it done today? You still believe? Or do you think that LSU's baseball season will come to an end tonight against Florida State? One of the last five teams in the NCAA baseball tournament. 
Think about that for a minute. I kind of laid it out for you. Fellowship's going to get it done tonight. Landon Marshall's got to get you six to seven innings. And he's going to go after this lineup. They were too cute yesterday, too fine. Trying to dance and nibble on the corners. You weren't tall. I think you got to challenge him a little bit today. Play defense behind Landon Marceau. Be aggressive at the plate. C.J. Van Eck, hard throw and right-hander. Go up there hunting fastballs. Hit something straight. Lay off the off-speed. Don't get behind in counts. You're going to see a ton of benders from C.J. Van Eyck if you do. Look, you know, a lot of what's been made about the loss yesterday was some of its frustration after the, on the postgame. Fans just frustrated because – LSU lost, and they want to blame it on Paul Maneri, and and I get it. He's the head coach, and it ultimately does fall on him. But like I said last night in the pregame, Paul, I mean, excuse me, in the postgame, Paul Maneri didn't miss second base on his way to third and get called out on an appeal. He didn't walk ten guys. I mean, at some point, the players have to execute. That's all. I mean, that's what a coach can do. He'll put you in the right spot to have a chance to be successful, but you as a player have to execute and be successful. Uh, you can't field the ball for them. can't take the cuts for them. can't throw the ball over the plate for them. Phone lines are open at 504-260-1870. A lot of gripes as well on the text line at 870-870 about the umpire last night. I think he was consistent. I really do. He didn't give you the outside strike to Florida State or LSU. Here's the other thing, too, and I know this from having umpire games, and certainly I didn't umpire at the collegiate level, some high school games. But, look, as an umpire, if I'm calling balls and strikes and a pitcher's struggling to consistently find the zone, he's probably not going to get a benefit of the doubt from me, and as is the case with most umpires. If a guy's in there filling up the zone, pumping strikes, pumping strikes, pumping strikes, you'll give him a, you'll give him a borderline pitch. You'll give him a ball off the, off the plate, especially if the target's there. The catcher's set up right there, and he doesn't move. If you're doing that consistently, you're gonna get you're gonna you're able to kind of widen it out a little bit over time, over the course of the ball game. That's just it's just natural for a human to go, man. He's been pumping strikes all day long. Here it is in the sixth inning. I might give him a ball off the plate because he's been so accurate. LSU pitchers didn't help themselves last night with that home plate umpire. That did, I'll admit, had a tight strike zone, but. It's up to you as the pitcher to make the adjustment. And if you can't make the adjustment and you can't throw a lot of strikes, you're not getting the borderline pitches. You're just not. He was a hitter's umpire yesterday, for sure. You wanted that guy up behind the, behind the catcher. If you're in the box, you don't want him up there if you're on the mound. He's not a pitcher's umpire. He was a hitter's umpire. It happens that way sometimes. But I don't think he was inconsistent. I think he was very consistent. LSU pitchers didn't help themselves. That's the bottom line. 504-260-1870, text 870-870. Well, I'll give you this on the Twitter. It says, you called the lineup they've got below, so at first, and the DiGiacomo thing. I guess the lineup is out. I think Giovanni DiGiacomo, I, I said it earlier, I said it in the, online as well, that I think that would be the best approach for LSU in their lineup today is take Hal Hughes out of the game, who's given you nothing at the plate. He's got 11 RBIs on the year. Three of them came in one game. He's a liability, so I, I think I'm going to go check the lineup, but if, if Giovanni DiGiacomo 
is your DH today. I think it's the right call. You slide Kate Veloso to first and Chris Reed from first to third. And you get another left-handed bat in your lineup. And I don't really care if Florida State brings in another lefty. You still you still leave Giovanni DiGiacomo in the game over Hal Hughes just because he's a better hitter. I don't care if he's facing lefties or not. It, it, you're not getting a better matchup by putting Hal Hughes up there. Now, if you want to make the argument that you put Drew Bianco in there, maybe. Gavin Duga, maybe. But Giovanni DiGiacomo, he's hitting around two, what, 288, I want to say, or 280. He's hitting 280. Far better than Drew Bianco, Gavin Duca, or whoever else you want to throw out there. I'll check the uh, lineup here in a few moments. But looking at the numbers this year for LSU, comparing those three, yeah, Giovanni DiGiacomo hitting 280. Gavin Duga, 186. Drew Bianco, 176. C.J. Willis might be an option for you. Hitting 212, but I I like what Giovanni DiGiacomo has done. It's the Road to Omaha here on WWLAMFM.com. I pat myself on the back kind of guy, but I'll just read the lineup. And those that have been listening over the last 90 minutes will recognize the home run. Josh Smith leading off, playing shortstop. Giovanni DiGiacomo batting second as the designated hitter. No Hal Hughes in this lineup today. Antoine DePlantis playing right field, batting third. Daniel Cabrera batting fourth, playing left field. Zach Watson in center field at the five hole. You remember Saul Garza moved up to the five hole yesterday. He's moved down a couple spots. Cade Beloso playing first base, batting sixth. Saul Garza back at seven, playing catcher. That's the right spot for him. Chris Reed at eight. Brant Broussard at nine. I like this lineup more than any other LSU has put out there this year. A, because it spreads out some of the some of the um, bats at the bottom of the lineup. You, you can get production from Saul Garza, Chris Reed, and Brant Broussard in the 7, 8, 9 holes. Also, it spreads out some of the speed in this lineup. Last night, you had, and I guess you kind of have it here too, I don't like the idea of Saul Garza and Cade Beloso batting behind one another or in front of one another because both of them are not the fleetest of foot. And then you got three guys with Beloso, Garza, and Reed that they're not that fast. However, Brant Broussard at the bottom of that lineup can absolutely fly. He can turn over the lineup. It's almost like having another leadoff guy and in the nine hole. Josh Smith can move. Giovanni DiGiacomo can run, run, run. Antoine DePlantis. Obviously has great speed. Daniel Cabrera has enough speed. And then Zach Watson. So they've got speed aplenty in this particular lineup. I like this setup a lot for LSU. Again, Giovanni DiGiacomo, the DH, Hal Hughes, not in the lineup today, hitting just 177. I think at some point, especially in a game like this, facing elimination against a very, very good Florida State team, you're going to need runs. And this is the lineup that gives you the best possibility to produce six, seven, eight runs. I think that's kind of the, the, the watermark for LSU today. They've got to produce you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight runs in order to stave off elimination and beat Florida State. C.J. Van Ike, the right-hander, pitching on the hill for the Florida State Seminoles. And like I said, he's gonna he wants to get ahead early with his fastball. He throws hard, 93 miles an hour, in between 92 and 94. Power arm. LSU's not going to be mesmerized by that or fooled by that they'll be able to barrel that up and catch up to that if they go up there aggressively in the in the early in the accounts and hunt fastballs 
Stay away from that off speed. If you get behind on C.J. Van Eyck, you're asking for trouble because he's going to dazzle you then with the breaking stuff. 504-260-1870, text 870-870. What's brewing on the text line? Get to that in a moment. Got a little error message. Pardon me. Uh, here we go. I've always believed walks should be scored as errors. So, essentially, we had 10 errors yesterday. We waste way too many pitches trying to paint the uh, corners, just throw strikes and let the defense do its job. I guarantee we will give up less hits than we had walks yesterday. The game has evolved to where pitchers try to challenge the umpire instead of challenging the hitter. That's a great text. I totally agree with that. Completely agree. In particular, the approach today from LSU's pitchers, whether it's Landon Marceau going six, seven innings, or whomever follows Landon Marceau, is it Matthew Beck out of the bullpen? Challenge this Florida State lineup. Make them earn base hits. Don't give them free passes. I mean, typically, that's why yesterday I felt like LSU was living on borrowed time. When I saw the walk totals get up there at six, seven, I was like, yeah, eventually Florida State's going to make you pay for that. It's just the law of averages. You can't put leadoff guys on base. You can't put free guys on base and then not come back to haunt you. Eventually it will. And what's unfortunate for LSU, five out of the first seven innings, they put their leadoff guy on on base. So five out of the first seven innings yesterday, LSU had the leadoff batter reach base. And he only scored four runs. That's usually a much higher total. If you had shown me that, five out of seven innings, the first seven innings, LSU got their leadoff on, I would say, well, they're scoring three runs in one of those innings. Didn't happen. Uh, if the pitching doesn't get better, it doesn't matter what the batting lineup is. Ah, totally agree with that. 72, uh, 79. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's certainly a symbiotic relationship, a lot like a pass rush and pass coverage in the secondary. If your pass coverage isn't very good, right, or if your pass rush isn't very good, your secondary is going to suffer, vice versa. Your pass rush won't be as effective if you don't have guys that can lock down in the secondary. Same thing with pitching. Giving up walks. I, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm amazed with 10 walks that Florida State only scored six runs. Like when I saw that, if I had just seen that stat alone, LSU issues 10 walks, and you told me, hey, what, what would the score be? What would you venture a guess the score be? I'd say LSU probably got blown out in the neighborhood of, you know, 10 runs. Like it's almost 100% that a lot of those runs will score, in particular leadoff walks. If you go track leadoff walks, they score more than 50% of the time. It's got to get better today. Otherwise, LSU's going home. It's just that simple. Now, they faced elimination before. I get it. They've done it. Each year's a new year. Emil. What's going on, Emil? And, Kenner, you're on WWL. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good, man. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours. I'll hear it tomorrow, I'm sure. I hope so. Well, either way, I'll be on the yeah. air tomorrow at 4. <laughs> uh, all right, so here's the deal. Right, so we wave three flags here. Uh, Saints, LSU, Pelicans. And there's a common thread between the three right now. All right, so LSU, the uh, uh, start with the Saints. They had some misdiagnosis, medical misdiagnosis during the year. They changed their medical uh, strategy and team, correct? Mm-hmm. Then the Pelicans, one of the things they wanted to do to draw free agents and make people, you know, players happy to come here, they stole away a big money. I think it's the Suns. Um, training slash medical mm-hmm. team. So it seems to me, correct me, Christian, if I'm wrong, that 
the Tigers have had top draft classes or, or recruitment classes in baseball, but the reason they're not number one right now is because of lack of play. It's a lack, it's, it's injury. And I'm thinking that this has been going on for a couple of years, and perhaps it's time to reevaluate medical slash training department protocols because when you continue to get, especially arm injuries, as many as they've had, you got to look at that. I, I asked Paul Maneri about that a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, again, what he's going to say to me publicly and what he might say behind closed doors might be two different uh, stories, but he – he said he's not concerned about the training staff, but I, I think that in this offseason, whenever it starts, he's going to look at every aspect of his program from recruiting, pitching coach, to the medical staff. Because, I, Emil, while I think that there is a conversation to be had that, that we're having about the training staff, and I think it's, it's merited, I think, though, that the conversation is much bigger than just inside of LSU. I think that this is a problem across baseball at the youth and high school levels. And I think – it's, it's a southern problem more so than it is a northern problem. I think guys are, are, are kids are, are starting to try to specialize in one sport or the other, whether it's football, basketball, or, or baseball. And right now we're talking about baseball, but I think in football guys are focusing just on that and their bodies are breaking down as well because they're, they're training year-round or they're, they're, they're having too much contact. Same thing with baseball in, in the south. You, know, you can play in Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, Texas. You can play year-round. California, you can play yep. year-round. And I, I think that some of these kids are not putting the ball down long enough. I mean, I remember coaching travel baseball, and uh, we would start training in, in December. And I'm talking about just throwing the baseball, just getting our arms strengthened back up. And we would end in the first week of July, and that would be it for our season. And um, I, told, I told the kids all the time, do not pick up another baseball until December. Do not. Go play another sport. I think that that's a conversation that we need to have around the country is – and I think that'll that'll begin to unearth some of the arm issues that we're having uh, on these freshmen at LSU and the freshmen across the country. And everybody is some some people. I mean, think about this: some kids out there are having elective Tommy John surgery at 14 and 15 years old because what was once considered a career-killing injury, they've made so many advancements in that surgery that. Guys are coming back even stronger from that injury, throwing harder. And that that boggles my mind that a 15-year-old in high school is having an elective Tommy John surgery, electing to get cut on. And I think that there, there's some negligence at the high school level and the youth. I know there's negligence at the youth level. There's not enough awareness and there's not enough um, prudence being issued are being conducted by youth coaches, and, and we've got it kind of wrong, I think, in some circuits where they, they count innings instead of pitches. I mean, you can throw it theoretically for a youth pitcher. Heck, I've seen innings last 30, 30 pitches at the youth level, even in travel ball. So if you go three innings, who's to say you can't throw 90 pitches? For an 11-year-old, that's a lot. And, oh, by the way, because you're counting innings and not and not pitches, I think you get, what, eight innings? I haven't coached in a while, but I think you get eight innings in a weekend and no more than three you can pitch the next day. Uh, but but he just threw 90? I, I think that we've got to reevaluate all of that. As a, as a baseball as a baseball community, we've got to reevaluate all of that. And I didn't mean to get off Christy, on too much of a tangent. No, 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 Christian, you have opened up Pandora's box because that is the problem. I mean, starting at five, six, seven, eight years old and then going on up. And then, like you said, when a kid starts – 
becoming robo-athlete at 14, 15 with, with a scalpel, that's insanity. Uh-huh. That's insanity. And yeah. it's, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Move the clock forward to college and the pros. It, it's just it, it's, it's training. It's medical. That's becoming today's technology as, as important as coaching. Yeah, Emil, I, I think there's just not enough awareness, and I think some, I think there's a lot of people you could point the finger of blame to, and I think that some of it is the parents. I think some of it is coaching. I think some of it is the kids, um, you know, wanting to get out there and constantly try to – I mean, look, I used to tell my team all the time, you know, when they go out there and want to have one extra practice a week, I'm like, you're not going to get that much better in 90 minutes worth of work. You're just not. It's not going to improve your team, or you individually that much. Emil, thanks for the phone call. We're about to hand things off to the LSU Sports Radio Network. Joey Falgu at Master Control did a great job as always. Also our executive producer and program director, Diane Newman. I want to thank her as well. LSU faces elimination today. Coming up in Game 2 of the Super Regional against Florida State right here on WWL. Join me after the game, 9 to 11, for our extra inning show here on WWL. I'm Christian Garrick. Simplify. I'm out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.